You're listening to Veg Your Best. There's never been a more important time to be vegan. My name's Michelle Olander. I'm a life coach, and I want to show you that living vegan is actually the superpower that will unlock your possibilities and give you the confidence to take on your next impossible goal. And that's by doing it your way. If I could go vegan in my 50s with all my excuses, I know you can start moving in that direction too. Veg your best, and there's nothing you can't do. Episode 125, the story of Rhode Island VegFest with organizer Robin Dion. Welcome. Welcome and welcome back, Veg Your Besties. Welcome to Veg Your Best. You know, we have another guest this week, and I'm so excited because this time from my favorite state. As many of you know, Rhode Island, Rhode Island is the smallest state in the U.S., but it also holds a pretty huge space in my heart and in the heart of my entire family for, well, for more than a few generations. And in some ways, This episode may appeal more to those of you who know or love or live near the ocean state, as Rhode Island is called, but this is also a story about a relatively new and a growing phenomenon called VegFests. It's also about the opportunities that exist for vegans, for individuals, to create new opportunities of outreach and advocacy that meet people wherever they are. Now, if you listen to my interview back, I think it was in September, early September with Sam and Christine from the Compassion and Cucumbers podcast, you will have heard about their enthusiasm for VegFests. And in the UK, I've been hearing about vegan campouts, which are large multi-day vegan festivals that have entertainment as well as food and animal rescue organizations and stories. All to say that vegan-oriented gatherings are becoming, as they say, a thing. So that's why I wanted to invite Robin Dion, the founder and organizer of Rhode Island VegFest, in advance of her upcoming VegFest 2023, which is happening in just a few days, February 4th and 5th at the Waterfire Arts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. And I asked Robin to come on the pod and tell us what it takes to put on a VegFest, what to expect if you go to one, and if you want to be a vendor or even a sponsor, how that even works. And tickets, (laughs) tickets are going fast. So if you were thinking right this second that you want to go, please stop listening. Hit pause. I have never said that before. <laughs> but hit hit pause and go to Rhode Island VegFest.com. R-I-V-E-G-F-E-S-T.com. Rhode Island VegFest.com and you'll get your tickets before they're completely gone. So two days. It's gonna be two days of eating and shopping and mingling with more than I think she said more than oh, close to 100, but more than 80 plus plant-based vegan restaurants and makers and artists, retailers, and many more. And I hope you're going to listen to Robin. And as you're listening, I hope you'll be letting some ideas 
percolate in the back of your individual brain of how you yourself can create, well, create a little more buzz, a little more welcome, a little more inspiration around veganism from your lens and how you could support vegan creators in your neck of the woods. So if you've, so if you've gotten your tickets or maybe it's the future, maybe you're in the future now and February 5th, 2023 has come and gone. In that case, then please just enjoy this fun conversation. Robin Dione, welcome to Veg Your Best podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. As many people will know if they're my my Rhode Island area friends, Rhode Island Veg Fest is around the corner. And you have been good enough to come and talk about the Veg Fest, how you got involved, what you're doing there, what's going on in the ocean state in terms of vegan businesses and vegan community. So first, tell me about your journey as a vegan. Sure. So I'm a native Rhode Islander. I took a little detour to Boston for college for a short period of time and came back. Um, But I have been vegan uh, for over 25 years. And prior to that was vegetarian for quite a while, but I just didn't know there was a name for it. Um, I grew up in a family in rural Northern Rhode Island where um, there were a lot of hunters And so that was something that I became aware of at a very young age and uh, was very confused by and just could not see myself following that path of of eating animals. Mm -hmm. So this translates for years and years and years, and you live probably a fairly quiet vegan life until... Suddenly you are in charge of uh, Rhode Island Veg Fest. (laughs) What what happened? It's true. It's true. Um, So, you know, as a teenager and then also living in Boston for that short period of time, I attended many other Veg Fests. I was really excited about the one in Boston when I was, um, you know, very young and thought like, oh, I wonder if this is something that I could host someday. I wonder if Rhode Island will ever have a Veg Fest. And, you know, a lot of years passed and I was, you know, vegan during that time, but didn't really think about it again until probably 2014. I was spending a lot of time working in downtown Providence at the time and thinking of, you know, seeing Veggie Fun open down there and then seeing that tide turn a little bit where more and more plant-based options started to become available in Providence. And, you know, while they were becoming available and things were changing, it was clear that something was missing. I thought that there was room for our little city to have a party of its own. And so around 2014, 2015, I started to really think about what it would take to host an event, um, never imagining that it would grow to the size that it has grown to. In my mind, it was a small gathering, not like a potluck, but I really just thought like, how can we bring all these businesses together and then show the public like there are vegans here and they're doing things that are fun, that they're doing things that are welcoming and um, just really a way to connect those businesses, not just to each other, but to the community um, in Rhode Island. And it grew um, even beyond Rhode Island. We have a lot of attendees who come in from out of state. Well, what gave you the skill set? Do you have a background in uh, marketing and event in event planning? What's your what's your background? Um, I'm a communications professional. I've worked in as a communications director in the nonprofit world, in state government, um, in national nonprofits. 
and then with some affordable housing and some for-profit real estate in the for-profit real estate development world. And so there's a really big mix of transferable skills in that world, which is, you know, multitasking, being a community connector, connecting people to each other for, you know, personal and professional uh, reasons. And then I, at many of those positions, ended up doing a lot of community outreach, community organizing, and event planning. And so at the time when I thought of it, I thought, you know, I think 2019, you know, is when I was preparing to launch VegFest. The first one was in February 2020. So in that period of time, in all those different roles I was working in my professional life, I always had this in the back of my mind, like someday if I have time or what will it take for me to like really sit down and think about this? And so I was, I was working as the communications director for the Arcade Providence, which is a downtown Providence. It's a historical adaptive reuse building. And I was hosting a series of um, farmers markets there where people were bringing in produce on the weekend. The downtown areas didn't really have anything like that. There was no grocery store yet. And all the people that live downtown were so receptive to it. And then I realized I was starting to get a lot of applicants from small vegan businesses, whether it was bakeries that were sort of testing the waters in their own way downtown. They weren't, they didn't have a brick and mortar and some of them did go on like celebrated um, was one of my very first um, community uh, event partners I worked with. They were one of my early vendors and one of my farmer's markets. Um, so people were out there having the same thoughts that I was having, like, there must be more of me, there must be other vegan businesses around, and then there must be people who want to support the vegan businesses. So I had developed this little network of people, and I thought, I bet there's even more of us than I, than I know of. So if I open this up, open up applications, we'll see what happens. And in year one, immediately, the response was just so great that it was sort of unmanageable right away. People were just very interested this is pre-pandemic, of course, you know, the event was held in February, 2020. Just before. <laughs> <laughs> very, yeah. very, uh, right, right before the pandemic is very close. So, but I opened up those applications in 2019 and people were just very excited, super enthusiastic and responsive. Like, how can I join you? And coincidentally, right around the same time, Plant City was opening downtown. And so um, I kind of, knew Kim Anderson a little bit from um, my time at the arcade. She was friends with the owner. So I had been introduced to her and I thought, I'm just going to reach out and see if she's interested and see who else is interested. And it turns out there were so many small businesses that were excited to um, come on board. And we had about 90 vendors in the first year. Well, you know, I, I'm wondering how many of my listeners understand that even in the smallest state in the United States, we have a, <laughs> it's a very diverse state. So mm -hmm. you have Providence, where 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 VegFest is located, which is a very intellectual place. It's full of artists. It's full of mm -hmm. uh, Brown University and RISD, uh, Rhode Island School of Design. And uh, I think in the area, there are at least a half dozen other universities and colleges. So and then we've got where you said you were uh, from Northern Rhode Island. My mom grew up in Pasco, Rhode Island, which oh, is right. a very, very small little area in North West, northwest part of the state. And then there's the seacoast, there's Newport, and there's some very, very glamorous parts of, of Rhode Island. So it's a very, so for anybody who's listening around the world, <laughs> Rhode Island is surprisingly diverse. And I would, I was surprised how vegan friendly it's become in the last few years. Now, what do you credit that to? People like Plant City or the, the farmer's markets? What do you seek? 
I think that people are paying more attention to where their food comes from. I think people are paying more attention to their health. I think that, you know, prior to the pandemic, that was the case. But I do think that, you know, related to the pandemic, people have thought about their health. Like, what has anyone thought about more than their health in the past few years? And I think when you think about health, it comes along with like food and exercising and what you're eating and drinking and, you know, how you're spending your time. And I think when you think about how you're spending your time, a lot of that comes along with money. Where are you spending your money? Where are you putting your own resources, your personal resources? And I think all of those things, and then community champions like Pianta, like the Garden Grill and Wildflower who've been around forever, like Plant City and all Plant City X, all those amazing offshoots that Kim is creating over there. I think that all of these things sort of come together in this perfect storm at just the right time. I've seen over the several years, this will be the third veg fest in February in two weeks um, here in Rhode Island. And I've seen so many new small businesses open and apply for the event, not just in Rhode Island, but from all over the region, from New England and beyond, we have vendors that come from Los Angeles. So I think people are taking risks and you know, opening their, their vegan small businesses and really committing to them and finding a way to make them work. And sometimes the way they do that is to travel around. It's like a little circuit. There's veg fest all over the country. So people travel to them and then there's national brands. And sometimes the national brands get bought up like a, by a big conglomerate, but there are also national brands who are, you know, like Dr. Bronner's, for example, they're really out there trying to communicate with people who are buying their products and finding a way to like, and from a, a marketing standpoint for them to connect with the people who are buying their products or to educate people who might be interested in buying the products if they knew about them. So I think all of these things just happen to be happening. Um, and it just was the right time. Uh, th this, this idea that um, a place and a time where things just suddenly become organically what is the, there's nothing more uh, powerful than an idea whose time has come. I think that's kind yeah. of the phrase. It it does truly feel that way. Now you've been a vegan since um, a period of time when it was. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm trying to just think of the, the word. We don't become vegan because it's easy and we don't probably not become vegan because it's hard, but there are times where it, there are fewer resources available and and there are fewer people who understand what it is you're asking for. Give me an idea of what you think is super different from when you became vegan 20, 20 plus years ago, 25 years ago, I think you said. Yeah, twenty over 25 now. I think that there's obviously more, especially in Providence, but even when I was living in Boston when I was um, a teenager, there were options, but they were very specific. And it was sort of like, you know, the internet existed, but not in the way that it exists in our lives now, where we have like the world at our fingertips. And I could go, I went to Scotland this summer, last summer, and I was able to find, you know, over 200 places in advance that had vegan options before I even got on the plane. But at the time when I became vegan, it was like, well, you're not going to eat meat and you're not going to eat dairy. And that is great, but there's no alternatives. And for me, I was not a person who was looking for alternatives because I didn't want to eat meat or dairy or anything that resembled it. And I've sort of come a long way and I wasn't really excited about tofu at the time either. So it was sort of like, well, there's pasta. You could have, you know, a sandwich with fake cheese if you could get your hands on it. My friends were sending it to me from the West Coast. 
it was not something, and, and you know, you're shipping this thing that should be refrigerated. <laughs> and at the time, there were just not a lot of options. I would go to, there was like a kosher deli in my neighborhood in Boston that sold some options that were kosher that happened to be vegan. And that was great. Like Tofuti for, you know, old school Tofuti, they had those frozen pizzas, but they were kind of expensive at the time for a person who was in college. And there weren't, there just weren't a lot of options. And you had to make special trips to find these things. So I think what has happened as more and more people have become vegan or become vegetarian or wanted to start, you know, exploring that kind of diet, even just scratching the surface of it, grocery stores and other, you know, even Target, the big box stores, they start to pay attention how people want to spend their money. And if you don't have those options available, people who are shopping there are going to leave and go somewhere else and take their their dollars with them. So it's become... Um, so much more mainstream and easily accessible and the quality of the products has just improved so drastically where in the past when i would say i was vegetarian and then i would say i was vegan people would say like oh my god how terrible and now i people don't even react you know there's a lot of we get some rude comments about veg fest on online you've probably seen them everyone asks me about them people are mean and they you know just want to say terrible things or they want to send us photos that are graphic animal slaughter photos that are just, you know, people are being mean, but mostly the world does not react that way anymore. It's not a weird thing to be. It's not something that you have to really hide. You can go to a restaurant and people will understand you now. So I think there's like just this greater awareness that this community is a big community. And um, so that has been really so nice and so interesting to see. Yeah, I think it really should. I mean, for example, trolls got a troll. I mean, they have to say something, right? They it's just awful. can't possibly <laughs> sit home no. and do something positive with their lives, yeah. whether whether they agree or not. Um, but I, I think this is this is um, even the market that we are voting with our dollars. And yeah. even in families where only one person maybe is vegan or vegetarian, they don't want to go out someplace they want to include that loved one in their family. So they're mm -hmm. going to choose places that have options for that, for that member of the family. So th it is, it is, I think a, a tipping point from an economic point of view for sure. And mm -hmm. when you have so many people really young and vital and artisanal people creating so much, I mean, this is what's exciting. And I'd love you to tell us some of the people I know you have to apologize in advance because you can't mention every single human uh, <laughs> business or human that's involved with VegFest, but what are some kind of exciting people that are at VegFest this year in Rhode Island? So we, like I said, we have vendors who come out from all over the country for this. It's so exciting to see people willing to make that journey and make that, you know, commitment to coming out here. But there are also a lot of really great local and regional um, vendors, everything from restaurants to um, breweries, distillers who make vegan spirits that are vegan, beer, some of these things just happen to be vegan, but maybe the community doesn't know that they're vegan. So this is such a great opportunity to spread that word, you know, to the larger, to the larger group of attendees who are coming. There are about 5,000 attendees over two days. And we have obviously Plant City is there. Pianta, like I mentioned earlier, they're a restaurant that opened. They were, they were working up a ghost kitchen all, you know, during the pandemic and before and now they have a brick and mortar of restaurant of their very own on Federal Hill, which is beautiful, a beautiful spot. We have um there's 
salsa producers, Kane's Kitchen um, participates in a lot of our events and we love that salsa. There's um, Barrett's Garden Cheese, which is made right here in Rhode Island. And another another vegan cheesemaker, I never thought in my life I would know one vegan cheesemaker, never mind like the half dozen that I've you know, weaseled my way into their, their friendship. <laughs> There's one from St. Albans, this little small town in Northern Vermont, um, like so close to Canada, this company called Nourish. And they're up there with a little cafe out in rural, a rural area with, and they make artisanal vegan cheese that is just unbelievable. Um, something I'm very excited about. And as a person who has a relative living out in Pasco, you'll understand this excitement. There is a plant-based food production facility that has opened in Lincoln, Rhode Island called Plants to Food. And I was just able to, at the last minute, make contact with them through a friend who was one of also a cheese, she's a cheese, the cheese maker, Barrett's Garden, was able to connect us. She's producing her cheese there, but this is a plant-based food facility that's producing over 40 different brands and growing in Lincoln, Rhode Island, which, you know, that's not an area of the state where you would think you're going to go out and find a big industrial building full of vegan products that people are making. So, um, so that they're joining us. Um, and I'm so excited to know they exist and I'm so excited that they're out there and bringing in all these brands to produce in Rhode Island. So they're creating opportunities, um, in the vegan world here in Rhode Island that I just could never have imagined. So when people come to a veg fest, I have actually not yet been to a veg fest. I was planning to come to this one and there was a little bit of a snafu in my timing. Uh, tell us, what is it like? What, what if, if someone has never been to one, what's it like? I would say that it is a party first and foremost. Veg fest is a fun gathering that is open to all, whether you're vegan or vegetarian or you're you're neither of those things. You're just a person who loves food and is is curious. You want to learn more or you're being dragged there by your friends who are telling you like we see a lot of like don't worry there's a bar you'll you'll be fine. There's going to be food, there's a bar and we see people come in that way and then and they'll tell us kind of that check-in like oh my girlfriend made me come, my boyfriend made me come. But when you get there there's there's that fun atmosphere. So I think there it's family friendly. It's, it's open to all. And I think that what we really try to create is a really positive experience for anyone who's joining, whether it's a vendor or a ticket holder. So you will not find people there who are judgmental of you for your diet, whatever phase you may be at in determining if vegan or vegetarianism is right for you. People are very happy to to be there as participants and share information about what they're doing, share information about the animal rights or the animal rescue groups that they work with, share information about their restaurant or their salsa brand or their cheese brand. People are excited to share what they make and why they make it. And I've never heard complaints that people are pushy or judgmental. It's like a very welcoming little community that has sort of sprouted up here. And when they're all in the room together, that excitement to see each other and to be around each other is something that is, I feel like it's visible. I feel like you can see it in the room. And if you look at all the photos on our website, rivegfest.com, all those gallery photos that we have there and like the videos, people are having a great time because they know everything in the room is, is going to be delicious, that people are going to be nice to them. So I think that sort of like 
it sounds so silly to just boil it down to that very basic, like people are nice. It's a party and it's just a fun thing to do on the weekend. So that's what I really look forward to it all year long. We work on it for a full year leading up to it. Well, and especially February typically is not the the be- most beautiful month in, uh, in, <laughs> in, uh, in uh, Rhode Island and you're at the water fire arts center. So it is an interior space. People will, mm-hmm. are not exposed to the elements there. So if they are, are thinking of joining you, but what are the dates now? It's February uh, it's February 4th and 5th 4th and, and you 5th. know you're never you never know what you're going to get with weather here but we did have one day, one day last year it was a two-day event the first day was 60 degrees and the second day it snowed yeah so, welcome to New England, to New England. <laughs> so there's a big parking lot with free parking plenty it's uh, a handicap accessible venue handicap accessible parking so there the parking is right there on site um, it's a ticketed event. Um, we had the early entry tickets where you get a swag bag full of great samples and uh, items from local and national brands, which we spent all day Tuesday stuffing those. Uh, thank you to Trinity Brew House for letting us use your uh, restaurant to stuff those on Tuesday. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, there's there's a lot happening at the event, but we will, we have a, a map that we create for vendors. We used to print them, but we don't want to be too wasteful um, with paper. So we have a QR code and you can scan and sort of see uh, people tend to like huddle and strategize when they get there. Um, so it is fully indoors. We will have a bar with uh, fully vegan, fully vegan cocktails, vegan Bloody Marys. There's usually vegan jello shots that are part of a larger cocktail. So there's like that fun aspect for most of us, when we're, you're vegan, you don't get to drink things like that out in public very often because you can't find them. So that's a, a big fun part of it. And then there's just um, about 90 vendors, again, all indoors. And we do have one other event that is outdoors, and that is in September at Trinity Beer Garden. And that's a vegan food and beer sampling event called Vegtoberfest that we'll announce um, some details on that soon. And that's um, a similar party, just a little smaller and outdoors. So if they're following you at RhodeIslandVegFest.com, they will get, they can be on the email list and they can find out about the other events. And they can also find out even if they're not coming about some of the vendors, I suspect. Yes. Yeah. We have all them on our, all the vendors on our website and we're always happy to, um, we get a lot of questions after the event via DM on Instagram. Like I had a cupcake and I can't remember who made it, but it looked like this. And so we always were happy to answer those questions. Mysteries of what, what was it? Figuring out what we were exposed to. So now you <laughs> mentioned that you tr- you're you not printing out the maps now to be more sustainable, less waste. And I know that you partner with Bootstrap Compost. Tell us a little yeah. bit about that because you know, sometimes vegan is not the only way to mm-hmm. participate in our in our the health of our climate, the health of our planet, and our 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 environment. And waste is um, especially with some of the more processed things that are available now in the in that are vegan products. Um, those can sometimes be a hard choice for us if we're if we're trying to do the right thing from a macro point of view. Tell us about Bootstrap uh, Compost because I think that's marvelous that you're partnering with them. They're unbelievable. Bootstrap, um, we started working with them last summer. They were um, our partner in our outdoor Vegtoberfest event. And 
we reached out to them because, you know, we had hosted the VegToberfest outdoor event before. And that event, you know, significantly smaller than VegFest. VegFest has 5,000 attendees over two days. VegToberfest only has 1,500 attendees over like one pretty long day. But it was generating so much waste for a one-day event. And so, you know, and my husband and I, we own this little business ourselves. It's just the two of us. So at the end of the event, you can find us and any of our friends that we can like, you know, coerce into being hired for the day. We're hauling all this trash ourselves. And after we hauled almost 200 bags of trash for the 2021 Outdoor Vegetoberfest event, we were hauling those you know, home to our own driveway and then to the dump the next day. And I was thinking like, my God, this is such a process. This is so much waste. It's taking up so much of our time. It's taking up so much space. And now we're going to drive it to the dump and it's going to be, you know, trucking back and forth. We might have to make 10 trips in this little truck that we had at the time. So not just like the waste itself, but the transporting of the waste. And it's just so many things that just seeing all those trash bags together really made us think and bootstrap kind of came along at the right time. We had a friend that was driving for them and I didn't know a lot about, you know, what their capabilities were, if they could work with us on an event like this, but they had been quietly establishing themselves in, you know, not just Rhode Island in new England. Um, they have a, a, a wider range than Rhode Island that they work in. And so they were, you know, out doing their thing, opening a facility in Johnston. Um, and they, helped us learn what kinds of products are compostable. And we spent some time, you know, strategizing with them. How can we make the 2022 outdoor VegToberfest event be compostable? And they showed us, you know, here are some materials, here are some good sources. And it, it takes resources to be able to do this. We, um, that's an event where we pay restaurants to sample and, we decided that we would take on the burden of purchasing and providing all of those compostable materials um, for the 1500 attendees. They come in the door and they get a beer sampling cup, they get a compostable tray, they get compostable cutlery. So Bootstrap was excited to work at the entry with us. And as we were hand, they were the ones that were handing out all the compostable materials and getting to introduce themselves to 1500 people who had never heard of them before. So all these people come through and bootstrap is like, hi, here's who we are and what we do. We take your tray. And then at the end of the day, you know, when you're done eating, put it in the compost bin instead of the trash or recycling. And people were so excited above and beyond what I could have expected. We were enthusiastic about bootstrap and bootstrap was enthusiastic about us, but the community was so excited to compost that, you know, when you get a large group of people together, not every person pays attention or follows the rules that you ask them to follow. But there was like 100% compliance at this event of 1500 people who were drinking outside in the summer with us <laughs> that they didn't contaminate any of the compost with trash or recycling. And from almost 200 bags of trash the year before, because of composting, we had under nine bags wow. of trash. So it's an, it's a, such a, like a drastic difference from the year before. So at the end of the day, I just took the nine bags of trash back to my house and put them in my own trash can. So we didn't have to go to the dump. Bootstrap was on site all day and they hauled the compost. Every time their van got full, they would drive it to Johnston and come back. It was a 10 minute drive. Um, and they communicated with so many people to educate them about home composting that was available. And now we are home composters too. 
tomorrow's our first ever pickup day with bootstrap and I have my little pail ready to go. We're excited. So it just, um, we got so much positive feedback in bootstrap. They're just such nice people to work with. Carla over there is a friend of ours now. And I just think you can tell they care about what they're doing and they want to participate. So we brought them into Vendish Fest indoors um, for February, 2023. And while, you know, we, we hired them after we had already settled our vendor list for the most part. So we could not make this event like mandatory compostable because we had already, you know, got the restaurants on board, but going forward in 2024 and beyond our events will be um, vendors, restaurants will be required to work with compostable products. What a great achievement because it is, it is a learning curve, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think sometimes I freak out when I find that I have a plastic fork that I walked away from somewhere <laughs> and my, my, and, and I, and then I hoard them. I have them in my drawers. I mean, because oh, I can't, because I can't I just put them into the waste <laughs> stream and every once in a while someone has to do an intervention with me on them, but it's, it's, it's a combination of being, uh, raising your consciousness about it, knowing that there are alternatives to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and also having people in the economic, uh, realm in the commercial world saying, filling in that need for us, because we want it. If we, if we, if we can do it, most of us want to do that, I think. Yeah. And restaurants for sure, like bootstrap picks up commercial compost. They picks up residential compost and some of our, um, friends and restaurant partners have signed up to work with them. Some of our friends were already composting and we didn't know um, until they showed up to the event and they said, oh, we know Bootstrap. So I think Bootstrap just has a great reputation. And I think composting is just going to become, you know, I it's just going to become second nature. I think it's going to become a thing that everyone will do eventually. We spend half our time in Vermont and Vermont everything's compostable. You have to compost all of all of the stores you go in, the restaurants, they have a compost trash, the gas station has compost trash, and they have compost pickup for, for residential. That's just, you have a bin and everybody does it. And if you don't do it, you know, people want to know, like, why are you not, why are you not doing this? So I think like having those resources out there, like you said, and having people aware of them, I think that's going to be, that's going to change um, the way that we look at waste and what we, what we do with it. Now, my, as I said, my mom grew up in uh, Pasco, so she grew up on a farm. So composting was it was basically just a pit. <laughs> it was that, and so I I have not lived on such large uh, <laughs> large acreage, but I also have always had a backyard where we could have a composter, and right. and so something like Bootstrap, some of these other companies that come in, you don't have you can live in an apartment building, you can live in a row house, you can live in yeah. a variety of different situations where you couldn't normally have uh, your own composter. Yeah, yeah, or you know we. We weren't composting before because we were having problems. Like the whole neighborhood was having problems. I live in Cranston and we were, the neighborhood has problems with raccoons and coyotes. Now, yeah. even in the city, there's coyotes out at the end of our street where the pond is all the time. Mm. So we have little dogs and I don't want to lure any coyotes into my yard, but so I can't put compost out there right now, but bootstrap really solves that problem. They come get it. You pay, um, you know, a very affordable fee and they do, you know, every other Friday they pick it up. So having that accessible and having them like this is up and running, they're driving all over the state, picking up this compost and they're turning it into soil that, 
you can request from them. So people are, are, are learning more and more about it. And I'm so excited that we can help spread the word. Yeah, it's marvelous. And it's uh, maybe we've spent so much, too much time talking about composting with Rhode Island VegFest, but I think it's all part of the the mindset and uh, educating mm-hmm. ourselves and seeing what's available to make our lives a little bit more in alignment with, with the things we're concerned about in terms of not just health, but the health of our planet, in terms of sustainability of all kinds. Now, with um, anybody who goes to Rhode Island VegFest, Everything in there is vegan, right? You're not going to have to ask whether this contains, okay, that's. No, everything is fully vegan there. Um, There are some gluten-free options as well. Not everything is gluten-free, but there are some gluten-free and some nut-free that we have an allergen-free. The donut shack is completely allergen-free. So um, there definitely are options for all kinds of diets, but it is fully um, 100% vegan and it will, uh, it will always be. That's marvelous. Yeah, that's great because it is one of those times when you can just kind of like, <sighs> yeah, I'm not going to have to cross examine anybody. <laughs> no, it's true. I think about like, what would I want to experience? Mm. And, you know, what would I want to do? What would I be so excited to find if I were, you know, a teenager trying to be- learn about veganism or vegetarianism or you know, I have a lot of meat eating family members, those hunters, like, you know, they come to the event, they're trying new things. They're supportive of the work I'm doing. You know, they're not ever going to be an activist, but they're excited to come try these things that they would never have in a million years. Like we had a vegan wedding, you know, and my family, non-vegan people, everyone ate the food. I don't think anyone would have even known. Yeah. It's, it's a, that's a marvelous thing when it can be opened up and even people who, um, don't really see the need yet or don't aren't awake to some of the concerns that maybe you or I are, are, are I mean, I myself, I only became vegan about seven, seven and a half years ago. For I knew intellectually many things that I didn't emotionally feel. And I also thought it was impossible. <laughs> I thought it was going yeah. to be impossible. And so as long as I was thinking this is impossible, it was impossible. So I think all these these events like Rhode Island Veg Fest mm-hmm. give you just break through that a little bit. Maybe it's possible. Maybe it's possible yeah. to be a little more vegan or a little more vegetarian. Yeah. And that's how you can start the ball rolling. We're not, this event is not designed to, no one's going to judge you. We're not, you walk in the door, we're not trying to convert you or grill you or ask you about your diet. It's just really like, hey, look at all, the, look what's possible, you know. Yeah. Look what's possible. I think that's, that's a great subtitle for it because (laughs) now you talk to so many of these uh, vendors. What is an area that you are waiting? Like you were like, Oh, you know who I want, what what kind of a vendor I want at the, uh, at the next veg fest. What's the, what's the opening that you're just dying to fill? There's a lot of national brands that we communicate with because we, you know, fill those swag bags with, donated product from national, local, regional brands. And so we communicate with a lot of national brands. So I would love to see some of them be able to come out and join us sometimes from, from the Dr. Bronner's of the world, who I think is so fascinating, such interesting. It's owned by a vegan. They serve vegan meals to their staff every day. They pay a living wage. They care about the environment. So I would love to see someone like that. Um, we had a sponsorship last year from Cedars Hummus, and I would love us, you know, to have them with us in person in the future. I think that over time we we will see some of of this because 
there's staffing issues and other pandemic related stressors that remain for small businesses, especially in the hospitality, the restaurant and bar world. But we are contacted by hundreds and hundreds more vendors than we could possibly fit in that room. Mm. We, we probably have to wait list six or 700 people um, in just the food category alone. So, you know, I would say probably, you know, that venue will always be where we host this event in Rhode Island. We're never going to go to the convention center or a larger venue because I don't want to lose that community um, gathering feel. It feels like a fun neighborhood party. I don't want to lose that feeling of the event and have it become less personal and larger um, in a in a larger location. Waterfire is a community partner, a great nonprofit who cares about the community that they exist in, and I want to stay there with them. But I would like to be able to to welcome some of those larger brands, you know. And you know, selfishly, like I love sweets. I wish that I loved them a little bit less. So we have some great like chocolate companies that we communicate with, vegan treats, and I I would love to see um, some more of them join us too. Now I always I work with this as a life coach part of my life. I work with people who <laughs> want to um, start a vegan business because they want to somehow either with a side gig or begin, but they, mm -hmm. they want to align what they're doing economically and career-wise with something in the vegan. Is there something off the top of you, your head, a place where you think we still need more vegan businesses, a certain kind of uh, niche of, of business? Is there anything that comes to mind for you? Um, I think, you know, we're starting to see a lot happen in the world of like plant-based leathers that are starting to be created out of pineapple. So sort of like reusing waste to create new products is very interesting to me. I try to not buy a lot of, you know, fully new items. I'm a very big proponent of reuse and recycling and reusing goods or buying things used. So I think starting to see like you know, very high quality, like faux leather items that are not just like, you know, the junky vinyl that's also an environmental pollutant, you know, that we've seen over time. Things are changing in that world that I'm very interested in. Um, a lot of like upcycling of old materials into leather quality is very interesting to me. We had some vendors, um, that in the down alternative, um, we've had some vendors that sell like an alternative to those uh, Canada goose type coats. People want to be warm, but don't want to wear something like that. So I think there's a lot of movement in, um, in that world now. I think we are, I think the market is so saturated with, you know, meat alternatives and cheese alternatives. Those things are so readily available now that it might be hard for people who are starting out in that world, um, unless they have a lot of, you know, financial support or they spend, a, if they can commit to working on it really full time and just networking constantly, but there are some gaps there still. And I think, um, I think those leather and, you know, down alternative brands are, are, we're going to see so much more of that in the future. You're reading my mind because to me, that's the area that footwear especially is, yeah. is hard because the vinyl is not great for the world and it's doesn't, it's not great for walking in. So I have my, my old leather boots, which are going to stay as long as I can keep them reused. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's an area that I'm, I'm ambivalent about, but it's, one I have of those Doc Martens from high school. <laughs> so I know from the, my early high school days before I was vegan. So, and they, la they lasted for, you know, forever. So 
what do you do? You know, mm-hmm. I think, I think there's, I think it's really important to not be wasteful. And I think that has such a tie to veganism itself. Like, but what do you, you know, what are the alternatives? And so I think those brands, I think we're going to see more and more from established brands, even like Nike had a limited, which is not a brand that I, you know, I'm super familiar with what they're doing all the time or like even a fan of really, but they, everyone's problematic in their own way, but they are, they were producing a limited run of pineapple leather. And I saw them and I thought like, my God, this is such great quality. So I think there's a downside to everything. How is it being produced? Is it being produced in a sweatshop? Like, is it pineapple leather, but it's in a sweatshop? And those are things I think that a lot of vegans, not just myself, you know, I'm sure you think about these things too, but sustainable products that are long lasting and not made of plastic, I think is, is where my mind is. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, I have a few things that are cork. I have a couple of things that are, um, and I don't like cork. I've heard cork is problematic, how it's harvested. <laughs> so, and I have a few Perfect. things that are cactus leather, um, oh, that's cool. which, are, which are nice. And uh, yeah, they don't, they're not shoes, but they're like small accessory goods. So I'm, I'm, and I'm trying to support all those you know, sometimes you support things which you don't a hundred percent love because you're trying to vote with your dollars for the, for the niche, for the market, for to, to help help uh, companies solve some of these problems. Sometimes we can't uh, solve the problem immediately, the best way. And so I, 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 you know, the 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 vegan society's idea that we do this as well as practical as as much as we can. Yeah, um, I think is important because there's yeah. no purity test for most of these things uh, ultimately. Right. And there shouldn't be, you know, when you get to the point of the purity test of how, you know, how good am I doing this compared to other people? Like you have to start at a place that you're comfortable at. And I think that when when the purity test, as you say, is there, I think that's what could drive people away from a vegan lifestyle. If they think like, well, I can never be perfect at this. I can't give up my 25 year old shoes that I wear. I don't want to give up this leather handbag that my grandmother gave me that I have stuffed in the closet and I'm not carrying it around, but it's in my house. You know what I mean? I think that these, I think that when that purity test is there and it becomes, I don't know, like not competitive, but people become sometimes territorial or they become upset if people are not living up to their standards. And I try to, you know, and I've had those thoughts myself as a younger person, like, how come everyone's not doing this? Like everyone should do the things that I'm doing, but you grow and you learn that people, it's good to meet people where they're at. And if they're coming to this event and they're, they may never become vegan, but now sometimes when they go to target to buy their groceries, maybe they're swapping out that cheese with a brand that they tried at our event or they're, supporting a hummus brand that is supporting us, you know, and by supporting our event, you're allowing me to bring in 90 small businesses that over the course of two days, those small businesses, we survey our vendors after, and the income that's generated in that room over two days is three to $400,000, which is, was shocking to learn. When we learned that, I thought, who knew like, what have you done? <laughs> what have you created? No, <laughs> you know, we knew people did well and vendors are very open. We don't ask specifics. We have a general mm-hmm. survey, tell us a range of, you know, that you made this weekend. We're not going to share it with anybody specifics. But when people started sharing that to us, I was like shocked that, you know, and it sounds so <laughs> silly, like I just didn't know. So that figure 
that financial number after two days in a room together, that's what the community is coming out and supporting people to that level is just so unbelievable to me. And they come back and do it year after year. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully they continue to support those brands long after they're out of the room with us for the weekend. No, that it is that is great what you've done, and I'm. Uh, one, I'm I think it's just really exciting that in Rhode Island, it's a fairly new, still fairly new. This is the third one, right? Uh, this is the third indoor veg fest. Yes, third we took indoor. a little pause due to the pandemic, obviously, mm-hmm. but we're we're back at it. <laughs> That's amazing. It's really amazing, and I love that you're you're committed to the Water Fire Arts Center. That that's mm-hmm. you want things to get big, but then when they get too big, then it creates a whole nother level of uh, concerns for what you're trying to achieve. And I think yeah. if people go on RhodeIslandVegFest.com, mm-hmm. they're going to see some of these photos and videos where you're going to see that buzz that exists yeah. in, in the room. So many people. Yeah. So, and what else, what else do you want to tell me before, before I let you go back to your life? And this is coming up (laughs) in just a few days, really. Um, Uh, This this is going to come out on Tuesday, um, about 10 days before uh, Rhode Island Veg Fest goes off. So um, there are still some tickets, right? Mm -hmm. There are still some tickets for Sunday. Um, And, you know, as as we get closer to the event, we will reassess and uh, communicate with Waterfire and see if we are able to open up some late entry tickets for entry around 2.30 or 3 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday. Usually by then, the room has thinned out a little and it's um, we're under capacity, so I would be able to let some additional folks in. So hopefully we'll be able to do that. Um, and it's just... Uh, it's, a, it's right around the corner. I can't believe it crept up <laughs> this fast. But for anyone who misses it or who's not able to attend, uh, keep your eyes peeled because we'll have um, information and tickets available soon for Vegtoberfest, which is in September, but really is right around the corner. Time is flying. Yeah. So it's R-I-Veg, V-E-G Fest, R-I-Veg-Fest dot com. And Robin Dion, it's so nice to have you here. We're going to have all the links to it in the show notes and we're going to share it on Instagram to make sure anybody who's trying to get in there um, can check in with RI VegFest. They can check in and see if there are still tickets available. That is how you would get them, right? Through the website. You would get them, you get them online via our website. And um, there's always a chance that if we can have them at the door, the days of the events, we will have them at the door. If we can do it, we'll do it. And that information we'll, we'll share widely on Instagram, on Facebook, and will always be on our website. Oh, that's right. You have a big Instagram uh, presence too. So look for that on Instagram, All right, VegFest. That's great. Robin Dion, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. It was so nice to speak to you today. So, so what did you think of Robin Dion? You know, you know, when I meet people like Robin, I think, wait, what, you can just do that? You can just, you can just start something like a veg fest. You can just see a need and somehow make it happen. Now, I know we heard from her, it isn't that easy. But it is possible. And now, now they've created this annual event. And there's also the Vegtoberfest. It's all because of her vision and her energy and outreach. And of course, I know she had other people involved. I know she has a partner. I know she has a a core group that have worked with her. But I think it was really, um, really her vision. And I'm so inspired by that. And I hope you are too. 
I hope you're inspired to look at your skill set and your community and think, what could be a little different? What could be added or changed or improved or cleaned up if I just showed some small amount of leadership? Even if I just offered a little extra support for the people who are trying to make great things happen. Okay, kids. Okay, I hope you enjoyed hearing about Robin and Rhode Island VegFest. And, you know, you can see the photos, the sponsors, the vendors on rivegfest.com. And you can get on their mailing list so you never miss another one of their events. And I hope, actually I hope, I'm going to invite you. If you haven't been to Little Roadie, a.k.a. the Ocean State, I hope that you will put it on your list. And hope, the word hope, is actually the motto of our state and is written on the Rhode Island state flag. All right, I'll talk to you next week, kids. And in the meantime, I challenge you, I challenge you to veg your best. And if you want to share your ideas or if you want to ask for support, this is an absolutely amazing community here. So reach out, email, message me, message me on Instagram, so easy, or leave a voice message through the podcast. And as always, the links are in the show notes. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So, until next week, make it easy and veg your best.